Alrighty, good morning. Welcome to the Musketeer Madness Norwood Noise podcast. Um, we're getting underway here again from our respective hometowns. Myself from Kansas City, Graham back in Columbus, a very sad Columbus. Up until last night, of course, uh, <laughs> but we will get to that eventually. Um, it is Wednesday, December 1st, so again, we'll be coming at you every Wednesday. Uh, it is currently 8.40 in the morning, my time, 9.40 uh, for Graham, so going to give you a little recap of last week's action, and then we're going to get into this evening and looking forward a little bit, uh, what's to come this week, uh, kind of with the Big Ten ACC going on, we got the Big 12 uh, Big East starting up this weekend, so should have some good games on tap, um, and this will be like the first weekend uh, really where there isn't like a stacked football schedule, obviously it is championship weekend, but there aren't like a million games going on, so we will have some basketball mixed in there. But anyways, let's get right to it. Um, kind of start off where we left off last Wednesday. Uh, opener, kind of the opening night for a lot of those, opening day really, for a lot of those big uh, feast week, feast weekend, Thanksgiving weekend tournaments. So obviously starting off uh, with the NIT, our respective Xavier team, uh, wasn't that. They were playing Iowa State in the first round, and then we had that Virginia Tech-Memphis game. Uh, Graham, I'll let you take it away on that, your takes on the on the Xavier-Iowa State game. Um, Xavier-Iowa State game, was a little bit rough for many different reasons. Um, I feel like, especially us and people across the world, kind of underestimated this Iowa State team. I mean, they came in and it was it was pretty much their game. Um, I think Xavier was leading by like one or two at halftime, but still felt like Iowa State was just like, you know, it felt like it was Iowa State's game. We just happened to be winning by one. And then the second half was all cyclones. We couldn't buy a bucket, and we couldn't stop them to save our life. I mean, Iowa State ended up shooting, like, 50% from three that game. They limited turnovers. They only had, like, 10 or 12. But on the other hand, um, we had 17 turnovers. We shot 14% from three. And some of the guys that, you know, that you turn to every night um, just, like, really just weren't there. Um Physically, you know, we still are without Zach Freeman all right now. Um, but we did get some positive news that he could be returning soon. Adam Kunkel was out for the stomach I think, flu. I think they were saying this evening, this evening possibly. Yeah. If, if it's not this evening, it will be against Oklahoma State this weekend. Um, no Kunkel for the Iowa State game. So we were really struggling. Yeah, that, that was a tough one, especially in a game when we couldn't buy a bucket. I mean, Yeah, for sure. Uh, 17% from three that game is is definitely not going to help you. And, and that's what we've been saying all year. You know, this is going to be a live by the three, die by the three team. Mm-hmm. And they died by it that night, and they just couldn't couldn't buy a bucket. Nunji still, I mean, carrying the team 24 points, four rebounds, one steal that night uh, for Nunji. And then, I mean, the big story, Isaiah Brockington was ridiculous, 30 points uh, for Iowa State. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's, I mean, there's I think there's a couple big headlines Um coming out of the NIT, and I think, you know, Xavier took care of business as they should, Virginia Tech took care of business as they should, um, you know, they did go on two, but still, like, a, a pretty good performances in both games. I think the big story of this, though, are Iowa State is maybe a little better than we expected, and I think the other big story is Memphis needs a point guard. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It, they cannot stop turning the ball over. Which... I mean, seriously. And we, we can kind of move into 
the Memphis Virginia Tech game and then bounce back to Xavier here. Like, I we I was a lot more adamant than you were from the beginning that like Memphis like. I don't think that they're that good. Like, they have two, two guys. <laughs> you did say that in the in the opening podcast. You were like, I want to pick out Memphis, talk about Memphis, because, like, yes, Abani Bates and Jalen Duran are, are phenomenal athletes, but, like, after that, yeah, and I mean, they have a very talented roster, but if you do not have a true point guard, like, I don't know what you're going to do. And they seem to have very little cohesion they work hard on defense, but it doesn't seem to have, like, a good team defense. Um, I felt like it was just, like, Virginia Tech, like, kind of just finding their way and navigating. Like, Virginia Tech did not shoot well that game, and they were only down um, five points in the second half. So, like, right. I, I just I think Memphis kind of got away with that just based off of sheer, sheer talent. And Virginia Tech not playing to their abilities, but I I just I just don't know what you can expect from a team that seems a little in a word like messy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on to the, the second games of that tournament, um, obviously Iowa State just handled uh, Memphis. Um, really took care of business there, and I mean, man, they just they looked really good. And and there's a lot of discussion, you know, what, how do they do this? You know, what, like they were they were two and twenty two last year, or two and twenty last year. They were zero and eighteen in the Big Twelve. Like, mm-hmm. how does that happen? You know, this is all new guys. Their sit top six leading scores are all new to the program. You got two top fifty ESPN prospects, and then you got four transfers. Right, and. A new coach. I mean, it's a it's an entirely new program. So, you know, credit where credit's due. But I think that's you know definitely something to keep an eye on, and definitely a team that a lot of I think Big Twelve fans kind of wrote off as like, oh, they're just gonna be bottom of the league again. You know, mm-hmm. go get two wins out of them. And I, you know, yeah, worry about it a little bit now. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a fan of you know Baylor or KU or Texas or anything like that. So. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely think uh, going on the road is gonna be a it's gonna be tougher this year uh, at Iowa State. And again, like, Memphis, like, I thought in the Xavier game, when Xavier played Iowa State, Xavier just wasn't taking good shots and then wasn't making those not-so-good shots. Memphis was getting the shots that they wanted, their players were getting to the spots that they're used to and comfortable with, and they just weren't making them. And also... Even though Iowa State, to me, didn't look like a sweltering defense, Memphis with 20-plus turnovers. Right. That's the thing. I think they're going to they're gonna average 20-plus turnovers no matter who they're playing. It doesn't have to be a ridiculous defense. Yeah. Um, I will say in a note, speaking of Iowa State's defense, a note on Xavier as a whole, I've noticed every team that's played zone against us has given us issues, so definitely something to keep an eye on as we move throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Niagara played a little zone on us late, and then Iowa State played a little zone on us. And I know Ohio State coming out of a few timeouts would throw in some zone, and it would throw us out of our pattern a little bit. But just something worth noting. Speaking of, we will uh, touch on really quickly um, Xavier's second game uh, against Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Out four starters. 
so yeah so we're still at the time where we were still out with zach Fremantle again possible comeback tonight against central michigan if not against oklahoma state so that'll be interesting um it was good to see on the Xavier uh, men's basketball Instagram page. First picture of practice is him slamming one down. So that's yeah. Make, that makes has to make you feel good as a Xavier fan. Um, right. Then again, you're so people are saying four starters at the time. It is the team's three starters. Uh, we had no Deontay, no Colby, and no Jerome. So new faces, yep. uh, Kiki, Cesar, um, and Ben all getting. 14 plus minutes and then yeah say put in some solid minutes yeah i he looked um a little uh, like not out of control but like like it was definitely a learning curve but i'm all for it in those types of games i thought he handled his own yeah he looked really good he had a great um and one or did he have an and one or just a tough finish i can't remember I think it was just a tough finish. Uh, I think it was a tough finish. Yeah, I will say I did see on, I did see on Xavier Twitter, um, someone tweeted. I wish I could give him credit, but I, I couldn't find it now. Uh, but someone tweeted. I think uh, Cesar's um, Afro is the sixth defender on uh, inbound <laughs> throws, which is pretty funny. That's great. Um, definitely enjoyed that one. So, and but anyways, uh, obviously that was the Nate Johnson game, uh, thirty piece for him, and just the biggest of onions jacking up that three late in the game uh, to take the lead and then a, a great defensive effort there from the Musketeers just to hold out on that last possession and get the win, a, a much-needed win, I'd say, yeah. um, and to kind of wrap up that tournament. Not to, like, you know, find problems in that game because we are without four top players. But honestly, like, that game is single-handedly the Nate Johnson game. I mean, Paul didn't look his himself nunji only got us nine which is about what you need from him but like in that type of game you'd probably want more kunkel's still battling the the illness he was only one for six seemed a little passive in his limited time so it is just a little bit of worry but i'm hoping um I mean, we don't want to dog on central michigan before the game starts they are an inferior opponent so just hoping that and they've been having a run of it. I mean, they've been playing everybody. Yeah. So maybe they aren't like, as bad. Around. They've been playing all yeah. the. They, yeah, they're kind of like Tarleton State. Like they've just been playing. They just played Kentucky every the other top night. Opponent. Um, yeah. So we don't want to like, you know, crap on Central Michigan, but the numbers don't lie. They are an inferior opponent. So I'm hoping once the dust settles, we get our guys back and hopefully, hopefully see the action of um, Fremantle. We'll kind of like, we'll kind of get to see what is this team after that trip. Is it the same team yeah, going absolutely. in? Is it the team that beats Ohio State? Is it the team that struggles to score against an all right defense? So, right. Alrighty. Well, moving swiftly onward, I will start next with the uh, the ESPN Events Invitational, formerly known, of course, as the Old Spice Classic. Wish they would bring that back. It was a great, great name. <laughs> Um, point being though, uh, eight, eight team, eight team tournament there. So, um, lots, lots going on the plan. I think originally by tournament organizers was to have number four, Kansas and number 10, Alabama meet in the championship. Uh, that of course did not happen. 
Um, Kansas takes care of business in the first round game, and then Alabama is topped by Rick Patino's Iona. Now um, I don't know if rematch we, of that yeah. rematch of that first round tournament game of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely something interesting, and I I know we talked about it in the last pod, but again that was definitely a tempting one for me. I'm mm-hmm. um, looking at it last year, and so obviously didn't pick it, uh, but yeah, led by Nelly Junior Joseph, fifteen and eleven for Iona. Yeah, I mean that that Iona team is legit. Yeah, uh, it. It was just really cool to see like a, a rematch. You know, you know, it's very few times that like that those fifteen two sixteen one matchups ever happen again. It's usually the sixteens always aren't like your perennial um, tournament teams. Usually you don't kind of schedule like those types of games. But um, right, it was cool to see. I'm sure those returning guys on Iona loved that. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, the other really big story. Um, from that tournament was obviously uh, the Dayton Flyers flying high, uh, buzzer beater over the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, seriously, a phenomenal finish, phenomenal moment, and just to hear Dick Vitale on the call was was pretty cool. Um, that was vintage Dickie right there. Um, Dayton is an interesting one to me, though. I mean, like, you look at their schedule. They've lost and they lost three, at home yeah, three, to, yeah. yeah, like three to Austin P, uh, Lipscomb, and UMass Lowell. Like, <laughs> I mean, um, and and I'm no one to disrespect the Dayton Flyers program because they, I mean, they've got great history and they're a great team uh, most years. And so, but it was just interesting to see that this is the year that they knock off the Kansas Jayhawks. First time they've met since the that great Maui Invitational final game back in I think it was twenty oh no that was, that was twenty twenty that was or nineteen twenty that was the year that the tournament got canceled because that was Obi Toppin's year. Um, I mean, but yeah, so that that phenomenal Maui title game um, between the two. But I mean, not to like you know you know put an asterisk next to any Dayton's losses but i mean the Lipscomb loss did come at the hand of Quincy Clark's 5 minutes hailing from glorious Columbus Ohio so <laughs> his 5 minutes of solid production probably you know make that game a little bit of an asterisk but yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but i mean but yeah i mean you had Dayton if you're Dayton you, you had five double digit scores against Kansas i mean that'll like that'll do it for you. That'll always help. Um, yeah, and I don't want to like because this is a bad loss for Kansas. But like, I don't. Yeah, absolutely. It was. It's not a terrible loss. Like, I mean. No, I mean no. Don't get me wrong. Early season's not a terrible loss. I just think it's one of those that like. You know, you come down to the end of the season and you're looking at Kansas's resume and they're right between a two seed and a one seed. Like, this is the loss that's going to knock you to a two seed. Yeah. Do I think that's the end of the world? Absolutely not. But it's, a- it's definitely something worth noting because this is not going to be a good team come March, right? Like, this Dayton team, like, might go 500. I mean, if they're losing to Lipscomb, Austin P, and UMass Lowell, like, I can't even, yeah. you know, imagine what the a is going to do to them. It, so. it's, um, it's just, like, really, like, a confusing game. I mean... Kansas didn't shoot, yes, absolutely. didn't shoot the ball well. And free throws, they struggled. 45% from the free throw line is a big one. But, I mean, shot 
your three main guys are all giving you 17 plus, and then you have seven turnovers. Right. And they, and they only had they only had seven turnovers. Dane had 20. So like, and Dane it, it's, Dane it's didn't shoot well look either. Look at on the stat sheet. Yeah, Dane. No, Dane only had five threes. And and Kansas had a 15 point lead in the second half. So like, what happened? <laughs> So, unfortunately, I wasn't actually able to watch the whole game, which is the worst part. I was just, like, getting updates. We were doing some yard work, and I was just, yeah. So, doing some yard work, getting some updates from my brother here and there, and then he just, like, disappears for a while, like, in the second half. And so I, like, go in there, like, a little bit upset. I'm like, all right, Sam, like, thanks for the updates. And I'm like, what, like, what's going on? And I look at the scoreboard. It's, like, a two-point game, and I was like, are you kidding me? So I don't even really know what happened. Um, but it was, I guess just, I mean, apparently according to my brother, you know, so take this with, you know, a grain of salt, but those five threes that Dayton hit were like all in like consecutive possessions. Not exactly, but like, yeah. And in the same yeah, like 10 yeah, minute span, they had it, they had a couple of big hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that was the big thing and, and Kansas just started mission shots at that point. So, but yeah, it's definitely a weird one to look at on the stat sheet. Um, Point being, though, great win for the Flyers, great win for the Dayton community. It was cool to see all the people that traveled mm-hmm. uh, going nuts for them. Um, so that was, it, you know, regardless, it was cool. Um, but yeah, so that that pretty much wraps uh, the ESPN Invitational. Uh, that was the only, those were the only kind of big uh, performances there. Uh, there was a moment there on late Sunday night when we thought that Miami might give Alabama a run. It was a close game, kind of early in the second half, and then Alabama. Ended up putting them away by twenty plus, so mm-hmm. nothing to worry about there. Um, but yeah, let's move swiftly onward. Uh, Battle for Atlantis, for the most part, win is expected. I mean, there were some, there were some big early uh, tournament games that, or early on in the bracket games that were super, uh, super interesting. Adama Sonogo, a thirty piece in a two overtime game. UConn to win mm-hmm. over Auburn. That was a phenomenal game. That was Wednesday afternoon at like two o'clock. I loved watching that one. Um, so that was a good one. Uh, Sonogo is definitely gonna be a player to watch. He's gonna be a problem in the Big East. Um, so yeah, definitely concerned there. Yeah. Um, uh, and then yeah, really only other big thing, and I mean Atlantis. Unless you've got anything else, Graham, is just Baylor rolled, and Baylor yeah, looked really, really, just really about good. to talk about that. I think this. We, we talked in a previous episode about, like, you know, Baylor's good. They're returning some guys. They got the championship pedigree now. And it'll be interesting to see right. what they do. But what is this team? And they, they've been kind of under the, the, the radar. I mean, you know, they, they, they took care of business and, like, those, like, uh, those money games, you know, Incarnate Word, Nicholas, uh, Central Arkansas, all – big wins as expected and then they play stanford whop them by like 40 almost and then right. a vcu team and they get a solid win uh 69-61 and then they handled michigan state michigan state's one of those teams i don't think we'll be able to see what they are until like conference play because i i can't tell if they're just like a good team or if they're just an average team that's well coached so, like, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Right. So, like, Baylor's just kind of been flowing under the radar. You know, we're 7-0. and We're kind of just doing our thing. But then they have yeah. a Villanova game. They have at Oregon. 
and then in their conference. Which Oregon stinks. Yeah. And then I <laughs> uh, just listen to like, the big names. And then they start their conference play at Iowa State on New Year's Day. Which will be interesting. Yeah. So it will be. That will, I'm keen to see I'm, that. I'm hoping that both of these teams can handle business because that will be a great game to start Big 12 play. It's also I just just like curious, you know, um, for like the rest of their schedule, and they put in the middle of conference play. They play at Alabama. That's the Big Twelve SEC challenge. It's like it's like late January oh, every that's year. That's disgusting. It's yeah, it's weird. I mean, I don't hate it. Like personally, it is like a nice um, little break, I guess. But yeah, as K as a KU fan, I mean, we just end up playing Kentucky every year so it's like it's basically like having a alternating home and home series with Kentucky every single year but yeah um so yeah I think yeah Katie's got Kentucky on the schedule for late January as well mm-hmm. um alrighty moving on the only thing I want to mention Fort Myers tip off is one it looks like they got a good thing going there big turnout at all those those Fort Myers games so, interesting to see what that field brings here in a couple of years. But if you remember, obviously no fans, but they had the Gonzaga-KU game last year as well. So, like, they've had some good good turnout there at those those Fort Myers games. And that tournament, I think, is developing into something a little bit more consistent. Um, the only thing that's weird is... But that Florida buzzer beater. I'm sorry, I cut you off. But the only thing that's weird is the announcers are on the opposite side of the scores table. So, if there's ever any confusion, uh, it yes. takes a little bit to understand what the heck's going on. <laughs> that's a good point definitely something that yeah let's let's get in touch with the tournament organizers there see if we can get that uh, yeah get that i'll fixed. just call my guys um yeah exactly <laughs> um florida buzzer beater over ohio state um great like a great shot like that was fun to watch um i, I still don't know what to make of florida this year i really honestly if i'm being honest i never really know what to make of any sec team um yeah. like the it's just it's tough to say, and even with Kentucky not being as dominant in the last couple of years, you know, it's just it it's kind of an oddball conference. Um, so we'll see what I, I think there has been as the year goes on a change though. I honestly think that like Arkansas is building something special, and ho- hopefully yes, Musselman stays. Eric Musselman's yeah, a great coach. Stays. I mean, they recruit amazingly. They're selling out their arena for first time in a while. And then um, Alabama has kind of just, like, I don't know, maybe if they just got, like, a hometown kid, because I don't really follow them. But I just remember it's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, Alabama's good. Oh, by the way, they're the second seed in the tournament. And now they're, like, kind of respectable recruited-wise and playing-wise. Now, they did lose to Iona, but still, I mean, they're still a great team. Um, and Nate Oates is a phenomenal coach as well. He's another one similar to Musselman that, again, I hope he stays. I hope they kind of develop the SEC a little bit, especially with Oklahoma and Texas mm-hmm. coming in here in a couple of years. Um, which, by the way, I mean, I'm not going to confirm anything here as a media outlet, mm-hmm. but rumor on the street that I've heard is, like, that's why Lincoln Riley left is because he was not all for the move to the – I would not be so. surprised. And also, um, uh, when you mention the SEC, I mean, Auburn's been a respectable program. They had a down year, I think, last year. Well, yeah, I mean, you got Bruce Pearl there, which, again, great coach, you know. 
Yeah, they lost to the national semis, and then um, they had a great year the following year. Um, in the year the t- tournament was canceled, lost a few guys, go about five hundred, and now they're back where they left off. I mean, five and one, really respectable program. So I think the SEC is kind of returning to what it should be. Um, I mean, I don't know what LSU is doing. I don't think LSU knows what they're doing. Uh, LS who? Yeah, and what? Tennessee is uh, <laughs> confusing as well. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I agree. Um, definitely will be interesting to see how the SEC kind of develops over the next few years. Um, alrighty, back getting us back on track here. Um, Duke over the Zags Friday night. Yeah, arguably best game of the year so far. Mm-hmm. That was fun to watch. I mean, that was like that was like an adrenaline rush on like every play. And I will say too, like Vegas was bumping and like Mm -hmm. compared to like Tuesday when Gonzaga played UCLA in that same arena, like Friday looked like it was just, Oh, I mean, what an atmosphere. And it was cool. It was cool to watch. Great game. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and Duke, I mean, Duke played a good game and it really, it's just my goodness. I mean, so much going on there. Mark Williams, really probably player of the night, 17-9 for Duke, mm-hmm. really took over. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Chet Holmgren, was, he was all right. He had 16, didn't hit a three. Timmy had 17. So, I mean, just nothing, like, no crazy performances. Um, Wendell Moore and uh, Paolo Banchero, 20 and 21, respectively. And Banchero only played 30 minutes, which I don't know. Did you see that? He was having some cramping issues. Yeah, and then during the Ohio State game. The second or third game. During the Ohio State game, they talked about it. He is a heavy sweater and loses seven pounds a game. So they have, like, on on some, like, super hydration mix, which is very interesting. Um, I think also. Yeah, it'll be interesting to follow that, especially, like, him thinking professionally. Like, that's something that you definitely have to, like, monitor yeah um it this was really a a good game to learn about the teams because duke played really well defensively they forced 17 turnovers um gonzaga didn't shoot the three ball particularly well but at the same time like gonzaga put up 81 points so like it's a battle of like a really good defense so it's going to be interesting to see what duke does against like other teams and then at the same time, right. Gonzaga can score. And I, I think a reason why they are so dynamic in scoring is because all five of their guys can get you 20. Like, Timmy, right. I think, can get 20 in his sleep just because of he's just such a good college basketball scorer. And Bolton has played insanely well. Strother had 20 the other night, and he's been kind of their quiet guy, but he's still a very good player. Right. Um, Chet's still kind of coming into his own, but he's still a very, very talented player. And there's been a few games this year where Nembhard is just kind of just like, oh, hey, remember me? And he's been kind of been more like the floor general this year. I mean, in the Duke game is extremely evident. He only took seven shots, but had 11 assists. But it'll be interesting to see how these teams kind of like come into their own. 
I feel like Duke's still kind of trying to find out who they are. I feel like defensively they understand, but like offensively they look really lost. And I think uh, it was extremely evident in this like the second part of the second half against Ohio State. Like those last like ten possessions, it looked like Duke just like did not know how to play basketball. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we'll we'll get to that uh, Duke loss here in just a minute. But that obviously that was a big, uh, a big win. I, I think it was kind of like at the perfect time as well. Um, like it was, it wasn't like that early season game where it's like teams are still trying to figure each other out. So it's like you can't really tell like if this is really the true team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like this was the perfect amount of time into non-conference to where like you can have this high stakes game and really get a good feel for both teams. Um, I also think Gonzaga wise. This is probably almost a good thing for Mark Few's team because I think it's like, all right, you've got the undefeated season off your back because they always seem to have that mm-hmm. kind of in the back of their mind as it comes down to it. And then, like, they lose to, you know, St. Mary's or whatever, which this year, I'm telling you, would be different because the West Coast Conference is good, like, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, like, maybe best it's ever been. Uh, but point being, like, they, they don't have that monkey on their back this year. They can just, you know, continue to roll. Uh, and take care of business as, you know, as needed. But anyways, um, so yeah, d- great game though. And I, and I loved seeing, um, the atmosphere there in Vegas. It looked, looked really, really good. Um, so moving swiftly onward, uh, the Bonnies, uh, save Bonaventure. Yeah. Lose to Northern Iowa, which was a little bit of a shock. I think, mm-hmm. um, obviously Northern Iowa on the road is always a tough opponent. Um, Northern Iowa kind of infamous for tournament upsets and such like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I definitely not an expected loss there. Uh, for the yeah. Uh, that this one kind of stings a little bit because when you're a small school, you really have to play your best or people are going to be like, Oh yeah, they're just another mid major. Exactly. Um, Cause they were rolling. I mean, big wins against Marquette nail by against Clemson and then they have UConn coming up and Virginia Tech who we've seen the past two nights or past two games for Xavier I was really hoping that they would go undefeated or at least if if they were to lose it would be against like UConn or also excuse me that was a home loss for the Bonnies, so oh. actually even worse yeah. than, yeah, even worse. I I misspoke. I thought uh, that was at you and I. It was at uh, St. Bonaventure. Um, which, again, it's not the end of the world because they are definitely the best team in the A10. Um, I think like, at, who knows what Dayton's going to be? But like St. Louis, Davidson, Rhode Island. Um, have all looked pretty strong. VCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been like a, evident that St. Bonaventure is definitely the best team. So I feel like that. I think there there's still possibility for the A10 to send two teams this year. But that UNI loss is really upsetting for them because now they have to like actually like take care of business and. I don't think it says much about them. Like, I still think that they're a really good team. But it's going to put more pressure on the UConn and the Virginia Tech game, for sure. Yeah, I would agree, for sure. It, it, it definitely 
you've you've got to go win those games now. You and I on the back of AJ Green's 35 nine made threes, um, impressive performance from him as well as two 15 pieces as well on that side. Um, moving on, uh, Purdue, man, I I don't know if you saw that game last night. Yeah, they I got the tail end of it. Uh, just so good. They're extremely I mean, deep. It's unbelievable. Five players in double figures. Oh, yeah. Nine score with four or five plus. They are good. And the best part, too, is, like, Travion Williams was, like, supposed to be, like, one of their, like, better or best players. Mm-hmm. Like, he had eight last night off the bench. Like, Zach Eady took his starting spot. Yeah, and he's um, so good. He's averaging like 17, and he barely misses because he's so tall and broad and talented. Yeah. And if you're a Purdue fan, you look at these next few games, and it's like, hmm. Like, I mean, they have Iowa. Iowa's an undefeated team who's looked pretty solid. Um, But then you have Rutgers and NC State who have struggled early. Butler who has struggled early. And then you have... um, Which, by the way... The only reason the records are struggling is because they renamed the rack. I just like. To oh, what is it, it now? There. The fact that the Jersey Mike's Arena. Jesus Christ. Which, which I am a lover of Jersey Mike's. I mean, phenomenal. But it's the rack. But it's the rack. You can't rename the rack. Yeah. Uh, I just think Purdue's scheduling is genius. They got all the tough games out of the way. Florida State was supposed to be a closer game, but um. Yeah, and UNC and Villanova, and then they have two conference games, kind of get a taste of Big Ten action, and then they go back to four non-conference games in a row against two really inferior opponents, and then Butler and Rutgers are mixed. I mean, Butler and um, NC State are mixed in there, and then they start um, Purdue. They start their Big East or Big Ten play with Wisconsin at Penn State, who's not good at all, and then at Michigan. I think Purdue is like clear cut number one team. If I mean, if no, all yeah, goes they'll, well, they'll be a one seed. but they have looked so good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Can I uh, couldn't be happier about my preseason uh, pick to to win it. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, definitely feeling definitely feeling good about that one. Boilermakers are they are rolling. I think this is gonna be the year, and I I am excited. I honestly, as long as everything goes planned, they should be your new number one team next week. Yeah, and that will be Matt Painter's first ever number one ranking. Um, they are, gosh, I want to say they're tied. I think I saw a stat the other day. I think they're tied with one other team. Totally forget who it is. Sorry. Um, for most weeks in the AP top twenty-five without being ranked number one. Oh wow! Uh, is the Purdue Boilermakers so? They will hopefully, probably, as long as everything goes to plan, get that first number one ranking next Monday uh, when the AP Top 25 poll is released again for next week after Duke's loss to Ohio State, which is what we're going to talk about next anyways. So we'll roll right into that. Um, I caught most of this game, especially the, like the second half. Um, I agree. Like Duke looked like they just had nowhere to go offensively. Mm-hmm. Um and, like, late in the game there when Ohio State was up one, I think, with, like, 30 seconds left, Ohio State knew what they were doing. They were getting the ball to E.J. Liddell, and he went and scored, you know, a very clutch 
bucket. And, um, and yeah, even after that, like, 15 seconds left, like, Duke decided not to take a timeout, which I don't necessarily hate that decision. But they just looked lost. Like, they looked like they didn't know what, like, yeah. where to go, who to, who to get the ball to, that kind of thing. Um, uh, a few d- and, yeah, I mean, Ohio State obviously ended up ended up pulling away and winning by five, so. Um, and as much as I want to be excited about this, having a little bit of Ohio State blood in me, basketball-wise, and then, obviously, I want the Xavier over Ohio State win to look a lot better. Because non-conference games matter more for a smaller conference schools but it's interesting to add right. that that was definitely duke's game to win they were up oh yeah 13 no. and a half and then you combine it yeah ohio state outscored him by 18 in the second half and it finished on a 12-0 run like that's that's a tough way to lose a game yeah. and ohio state at most was down 15 in the game they had 12 turnovers they shot 50 percent from the free throw line but they still managed to outscore Duke by 18 in the second half. And Duke looked clueless. And Paulo's sweating seven pounds a game. <laughs> so. I, <laughs> also, I think it's awesome yeah. that um, this their like, post player that comes off the bench, Duke's Theo John, fouls out in like 14 minutes of action. Yeah, it was a very, uh, it was a very Deontay Miles ass. Yes, very. Sh- showing of him. <laughs> oh, that was good, um, but yeah. So I mean, Ohio State, you know, takes care of business there. And, and again, Ohio State, another one of those teams that like I just you don't really know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of these Big Ten teams are that way. Like Michigan, same way. Don't really know what to do with them. Uh, I think Purdue is kind of your outright best team in the Big Ten this year. Um. So. Which is unfortunate a little bit that the, that the other teams aren't doing it, aren't performing as well as expected because it would have been, I think, kind of fun to see a, you know, a more competitive Big Ten, um, you know, throwing Illinois and Purdue and, you know, Michigan and Ohio State in there would have been kind of fun. But nevertheless, here we go. Uh, moving on, let's really quickly, I'll just kind of hit you with um, the big games kind of over the next few days, at least through the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan-North Carolina tonight, uh, again, both teams are struggling. I mean, Michigan doesn't look great, but I think North Carolina might look worse. Uh, in Chapel Hill, though, so we'll, you know, anything that. can happen there. We'll have, to see. we'll have to see what happens there. Florida-Oklahoma um, tonight as well should be a good one there. Uh, Louisville-Michigan State as well could be an interesting one. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, um, so that, that wraps up Wednesday action Thursday. Uh, nothing too much going on there. Friday started the big East big 12. You got Kansas playing St. John's, uh, at, uh, Jersey Mike's arena. <laughs> um, so, uh, we'll see. I mean, again, tough place to play. I think St. John's is, I don't, I mean, I don't think they're a bad team. Um, so we'll have to see. Also, uh, Purdue plays Iowa, which Iowa, by the way, forgot to mention last night. Did you see that game against Virginia? Yeah. It was the early mm-hmm. game. That was fun. Was that last night or was that Monday? I lose my mind. I think it was. Um, I think it was Monday. That was definitely Monday. Um, 
yeah, it was definitely Monday. Uh, anyways, um, again, Virginia's game, uh, or sorry, Iowa's game to lose nearly, uh, and then obviously Iowa pulling it out late in the end. But good game there uh, on the road at Virginia, and again, Virginia just not that good. Uh, but yeah, so Iowa Purdue on Friday, um, and then Saturday wise, uh, we do have some good action there. Uh, Marquette, Wisconsin, that's always a fun one to see. Mm-hmm. Kind of that in, interstate rivalry, uh, and should be a good one there as well. Um, an interesting. And then on top of that, oh, go ahead. Uh, on top of that, I was gonna say Alabama, Gonzaga, in Seattle. So what? Interesting. Why, uh, Why Seattle? Don't ask me. <laughs> like, is that a part of a tournament or? No, just. Uh, it's it's the battle in Seattle. Why are we going all the way to Seattle for a non-conference game? I mean, it's down the road for Gonzaga, but I, I guess Alabama wanted to. I don't know. It's at. I will say it is at the new Climate Pledge Arena, which I'm excited to see in basketball form because we've seen it in hockey form. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see it in basketball form. Does that have enough uh, for the I, Supersonics? <laughs> Sure hope so. Uh, Iowa State Creighton, uh, another interesting one. Creighton don't really know what to do with them yet, but they are seven and one. Um, and then that kind of wraps your weekend for the most part. Pac-12 play kind of gets going, uh, but nothing too noticeable or like noteworthy. Um, and then yeah, early next week, teams kind of wrapping up their conference schedule, and then we will talk to you again next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so to get back to X to kind of wrap up uh, Musk's here minute, um, couple big ones for them coming up. Obviously Central Michigan tonight they're one and five. Got to take care of business there. Would be good to kind of see them get back into that rhythm uh, a little bit. You know, starting lineup wise and kind of see some of those players get back into it after some sickness, some illness, um, and then obviously Fremantle hopefully get to see him back in action tonight. Yeah. And then Sunday, I think the bigger one obviously at Oklahoma State, always a tough place to play. Uh, that's a team that's playing with high emotions this year. Obviously, not going to be in the NCAA tournament. Um, so yeah, I, I, we will see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now more than ever, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the lineup plays out because the coaching staff here at Xavier really loves Deontay's energy and defensive ability, but. Game after game after game, it's becoming more evident that Jack Nungy deserves to start, especially since he's getting healthier and healthier and better and better. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It's also, like, where does Fremantle fit into all of this? Like, right. in years prior, we, in his past two years here, Xavier hasn't had, like, a center, like a post guy before Nunji, and they also haven't had like right. an athletic big like Deontay in Zach's two years so I think in any other year you'd be like okay just like throw them both out there see what happens but Zach is coming off an injury where he wasn't able to move for a while he was in his boot and off crutches and that kind of stuff as reported but now it's like he's probably not as mobile as we're used to and before that it wasn't even wasn't even that mobile so like it'll be interesting to see how the big lineups will work um right especially with like 
Colby playing as well as he's been, but I think it's hard to put Colby, Zach, and Nunji or Miles on the floor at the same time. Like that's I think that's too much size. Mm-hmm. So and, and and Colby's athletic. I don't get me wrong, I think he can guard, you know, pretty much one through five. Yeah. Uh spacing wise though. I, I just yeah, spacing wise, I don't think you can put all the all that size on the floor. Don't get me wrong, I love depth. Uh, but I think Colby's earned his spot a little bit. I mean, obviously, you said 15, 15th in the nation in rebound? Yeah, yeah, it was 19th in the nation in rebound with 10, 19th. first in the Big East. Um, I think yeah. there's a lot of um, things to discuss. And you're only adding one player into the rotation, but it changes so much because of who you're adding. Um, I think, like, Surprisingly, Dewan has looked really good this year. He's absolutely him. Him getting to the bucket has been fun to watch. Yeah, he gets almost any shot he wants without being a three point shooter, which I admire. And then um, defensively, he's probably been our best on ball defender this year, him or Paul. So that's I mean he deserves his minutes. Kunkel and Nate have both been great three and D guys this year. Paul, you have to play. He's definitely our best player, even though he's had a few struggling games the past few games, but I doubt that that's going to stay uh, a thing. Deontay gives you good minutes. Nunji's looked really good. And then Jerome's, Jerome and Colby, like, they could play the three or the four, but, like, can play them at the same time if Zach's in. How's that work? So, right. I think um, someone's going to have a minutes cut, and I just hope that everything works out soon. Absolutely. But again, like like we said, can't complain about that. So. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Well, 45 minutes, that's not too bad. A little over what we wanted, but I uh, had a lot to get through with Feast Week. Next week will probably be a little bit lighter session, um, barring any anything crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, thank you all for tuning in. I uh, hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving out there. Um, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Graham, you got anything to finish with? Uh, no, we're just interested in seeing Xavier next few games and all these uh, conference challenges coming up. will be a lot of talking points for the next pod. Yep, absolutely. All righty. Thank you so much all for tuning in. Again, Norwood Noise Podcast, Evan Schimble, Graham Griffith, every Wednesday. Uh, we will see you next Wednesday. Thanks so much. Have a good week. All right.